Now, the Jen Charlton Show on 930 WFMD and WFMD.com. Telling it like it is with your host, Jen Charlton. Good morning and welcome to the Jen Charlton Show, telling it like it is. And it is so great to be with you guys today. I am very uh, concerned, actually. And today's show will cover some things that we all need to be concerned about because the health, safety, and well-being of our fellow citizens and perhaps even our own families and employees and teammates at work are at risk because of some recent occurrences that it's actually shocking that it it was allowed to occur, that, that there weren't better protections to ensure that people were not put at risk. And I'm specifically talking about the train derailments. You know, we kind of take it for granted. A train runs. People know what they're doing. It's kind of like a car. You don't overload it. You make sure that when you're transporting substances that can be harmful, that you're careful. You take the opportunity to create safety measures to ensure that people are okay. And right now we are dealing with what occurred in Ohio and what those poor people are going through. So first of all, my heart and my prayers go out to those folks who are infected And because we are all one ecosystem, these things could easily, through the watershed and so forth, come our way here on the East Coast. And, you know, frankly, we have people listening all over the country. So wherever you are, whatever has occurred in these train derailments, we need to take note that it could happen near you. And whatever was uh, not in place to ensure that this didn't occur needs to be put in place across the country. Uh, you know, I, I'm in, in a business where we have people who are certified and licensed. We're all required in various ways to have different business licenses and so forth. And there are safety measures that go with. And if we're not honoring those things, we get in big trouble. But here, a train can derail. And Norfolk Southern, who's the company responsible for two of the instances that I know of right now, uh, one also outside of Detroit, which could affect Lake Huron. Those business operations have allowed for this to occur, and they have to be 100% responsible for what occurred. And so I, I reached out to somebody today, and when we come right back from the break, I want to introduce you back to Senator Doug Mastriano, and we're going to talk to him about the impact of his uh this occurrence on Pennsylvanians because we're very concerned with the proximity Ohio. So we'll be right back. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. Welcome back. This is Jen and I have with me today a guest who I've enjoyed having on in the past who I supported when he ran for governor Senator Doug Mastriano, and it's so great to have you back on the show with me in our new form, and uh, welcome back. Thanks for having me on, and, and thanks for highlighting this catastrophe, greatest ecological catastrophe in our country in this century. And uh, th- it's not hyperbole when I say I believe this is going to be worse than what happened with Three Mile Island back in 1979, when, of course, a nu- nuclear reactor 
uh, leaked. Uh, this is going to be significantly worse, I fear, and we're not getting the truth. You know, we're told by uh, government officials and, and other agencies, you know, it's, uh, this is okay. You can go back home now. It's okay. You know, we're, when have we heard that before? We heard that about the vaccine. We heard that about COVID. You know, it's okay. Trust the science. Trust the, the vaccine. You, you won't spread it. You know, the, the bad people are those that didn't get it, and they're super spreaders. Nope, it wasn't true. Uh, World Trade Center with, with the, the, the dust and all that, for the debris, it's okay, you're safe, guys. Go out there and keep on digging. And then a few years later, people break out with disease and cancer. Uh, you know, we've we got to be in Missouri mode here. So they say it's safe to go back. Show us the air, water, and soil samples, and show us the company that's doing that as well. Is it reputable? We, and we want to see those samples. We want to know what's going on before people potentially go back in harm's way. It is time, isn't it, Doug, for full disclosure on such things. It, we have been lied to, misled for so many years, and I, I think everybody is just done. We're fed up with government oversight that fails us. And uh, first of all, I, you know, my heart goes out to anybody in, in Pennsylvania and beyond that is affected by this. So let's, let's dig into something you mentioned. Uh, I wasn't going to start here, but I think it's relevant to kind of set the stages. All the Democrats talk about liberal policies to protect our environment. But where is the, I call it, the O. Biden administration on the issues around the environment and what's occurred to this, this area? Not just the people who are affected, which is horrific with children and elderly and all that, but the wildlife. Uh, the ecosystems, the agricultural, and the livestock. So where are they? They are absolutely silent. And, and that's the irony. I mean, th this is bad. I mean, the plume killed the birds. Birds are falling out of the sky, and birds are on the ground. It's cold stone dead. Uh, there's thousands, thousands, thousands. I'm having a guy testify under oath on Thursday in, up in Beaver County near this, the site. Uh, he's going to testify. He's, he's taking water samples. Uh, he, he did this for a living, just retired, but has all the equipment. And he's seen thousands of dead fish. Uh, we saw that one reporter from Ohio throw a, a rock into a stream, and the bubbles that came up were oil-stained. So the, this, this chloride is settling down. It's killing the amphibians, so the frogs and turtles. Uh, they're being killed off. Uh, raccoons are eating the, the fish. That's what they do. And uh, raccoons are dropping dead in the wildlife. Um, the ground is contaminated. Uh, we don't know the effects on farmland. We don't know effects on, on your people, on people's gardens. Uh, people's lives are at risk. Uh, we, these agents that were ignited, and I'd like to have an answer on who made the decision to burn this this contagion, and uh, to set it off into molecules into the sky, spreading it as far as northern Virginia now, and maybe as far as upstate New York when the wind shifted, um, based off of national uh, the National Oceanic uh, Aeronautical Administration NOAA. Uh, they're mapping. Um, you know, in the Army, when I first came in, uh, we were going to fight in, a, in Western Germany against the Soviets. Uh, my, I was with the 2nd Cavalry. The spurs that I still wear were awarded to me in the 2nd Cavalry in West Germany during the Cold War. Uh, we were trained in how to operate in the chemical environment. We were trained, I was specifically trained as well as I've had to track plumes based off of the impact zone and the wind, and we were able to even do a conical analysis of how it goes out. Uh, we were trained to understand how long these, these agents um, would stay on the ground. Some were non-persistent and evaporate. Others were persistent and, you know, in like more oily. If it's oily-based or, or gooey-based, that lasts longer. Um, 
the time of day they burn it, that's exactly the time of day that, that we would advise to launch a chemical attack when there's no wind. It just kind of sits on an area. And, I mean, this whole thing is so bizarre to me. Where are the chemical testings? Where are the, 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 the testings to see if the phosgene, which was released into the sky when they burned the chloride, uh, where's this, the testing strips? There's like We used to have tape on our, our uh, chemical suits that we wore in the Army. And you could see if it turned color that there was a problem. Um, to, for anyone to operate in that environment, uh, you first have to test the air and the ground and the water before you send anyone in there. So that's, that was going to be my question. Have they used those strips and have the strips indicated that, that it's not safe? I, I have no idea. And, and that's what we're hearing from uh, you know, the, the affected area. People don't know. They're, just, they're being told by politicians and others, okay, it's safe. You can go back to your house. Go ahead. Go ahead. The water's not safe. Oh, no, it's, it's magically safe. Show me, prove it to me, Missouri, prove it to me. I want to see that test result and the company that tested it. If, if they're working for, you know, Norfolk Southern, maybe we should find another venue or a vendor to do the analysis. Uh, th these chemical tests, I mean, they're not expensive. I mean, you can, it's, it's like a, a roll of tape, basically. Now it has to be protected and, you know, not exposed to elements. But just get somebody to go to an Army-Navy store and buy a box of these if somebody has. I'm sure somebody has them in Ohio or Pennsylvania and go out there and, and, in a suit and test it. And this well, I think probably there are people doing that. And now what we have to do is share information, which is why I so appreciate you being on with me yeah. so that we can collaborate because we need to inform people there's too much hidden from our view anymore. And I think we're all tired of it. I want to go back to something you mentioned because it triggered a thought and I'm not a scientist. I hated that class. But when you look at <laughs> when you look at the half life, isn't that what they call it? The half life of a of a uh, of a dangerous substance or something like that. What do do we have any idea how long the the lasting effect could be of these negative chemicals in the environment? Is it a month? Is it a day? Is it a year and a half? Do you have any thoughts about that? And I guess each one's different. Yeah, each one is different. And uh, I, I saw a list of five or six. I only highlighted two. I mean, there's like five or six different variations of chemicals that were burned off and sent to the sky. Uh, some of the agents are, are not persistent, and they evaporate off in minutes or in hours. And uh, the, uh, the others, if, you, know, you have a pool of it like they had when they created that pit and drained the tanks and then lit it on fire. That changes everything. Uh, that, that, uh, I mean, that why ever. on earth would they send it into the sky? I mean, I'm an idiot on this stuff, and I know better than that. They turn it to aerosol, and so now you have these chloride chemical molecules going to the sky. Uh, most chloride derivatives uh, at attach themselves to organic substances. So when you have chlorine, it attaches itself to, to the algae, algae in your pool and kills it. And, you know, that's why when you get out of a pool that's heavily chlorinated, you feel kind of slimy. That's the chlorine. That's the you know, chloride molecules attached to your skin. And so those things are looking for living organisms to go to. And that, now you're going to put it in the air, and this is where it becomes a problem. Phosgene was developed by the Germans around 1915 in World War I. Uh, Western Front, nobody could break through. It, it had stabilized, and people are dying in this, this, you know, this warfare with, of trenches with a no, you know, a no man's land in the middle. And so the Germans created a chemical warfare operations. And first, it was mustard gas, which was a combination of bleach and, and ammonia. Uh, the Allies quickly found ways to circumvent that with protective devices they created, even for the horses. So the Germans first they'd hit with odorless uh, content, which is phosgene. The phosgene would come in before you realize you're underneath a chemical attack. 
It's a choking agent. It goes after your throat. You start choking stuff up. You can't put your mask on. And then it's followed up by mustard gas, which will it's a blister agent. It'll drown in your own blood, in your own mucus with mustard gas. Um, this is designed to, it's an irritant. It's, so people as far as Pittsburgh uh, that are talking to me said they're, they're feeling any effects. Their eyes are burning. Their throat is burning. I would say that that's a side effect of a reduced caliber or level of that phosgene migrating down with the wind patterns. So based on the date that this occurred, actually, I think we've already started experiencing it here in the Frederick area. Somebody mentioned it to me two days ago that they were feeling that same kind of burning, choking, uh, difficulty breathing or whatever. And this woman has COPD, so she's more prone to that anyway if there's any sort of an outside irritant. Um, okay, so let's go through a couple of things. Have you talked to Pennsylvanians have they expressed their concerns? Have the constituents been calling you and saying, hey, I'm really worried? You mentioned some have been sick. How much feedback are you getting from people? Is this a concern for folks? It's immense. They're calling me. They're messaging me. They're texting me. They're engaging me on, on social media platforms. Uh, even I just did two live shows uh, moments ago. During a chat, they're expressing concerns and outrage. They want answers. Um, they, they don't want politics, neither do I. They want results in action. And uh, it was not handled right from the get-go. The, the, the ramblin happened. It was bad. Everyone realized it was bad. My governor issued a brief statement and then got on a private plane to uh, Arizona to enjoy the Super Bowl. This is not a time, Governor, to run away and ha shuck it up with Katie Hobbs and, and the governor of, of Kansas and you know, laughing and giggling when the people were left to suffer. You know, you think about this, Jen, uh, why was not a state emergency declared? That's important at right. many levels. At the state level, it frees up funds and, and, and ability. It, it gives the governor 21 days uh, to, to act with, with pretty strong powers. At the national level, it frees up FEMA money. For some reason, the feds don't want to be involved at all, and, and they've mobilized for a lot less than this. Um, additionally, why wasn't our National Guard mobilized? The, go the governor is the commander-in-chief of the National Guard. We the Pennsylvania has the second largest National Guard in the nation. I'd say the best National Guard in the nation as well. <laughs> uh, they, we have water treatment units. Uh, I, I believe the, the 14th, uh, the 14th, I forget, the... Uh, 14th Detachment, they're, they're, they're infamous because, of course, uh, this time in 1991, they were hit by a scud and lost a lot of men and women. That unit is in Westmoreland County, which is about an hour, hour and a half away from the site. Why were they not, mo they not mobilized in providing fresh, clean water, safe water to the resi residents in Darlington and other affected areas in Pennsylvania? Why weren't accommodations uh, created and set aside for people to flee? I talked to one lady, myself talked to her. She, she said that she's actually in East Palestine. She was told to evacuate, so they loaded up the car with the animals and, you know, her family, and they're like, where do we go? And so for five hours, they're kind of driving around aimlessly until they found a hotel. And you mean to tell me we can house five million immigrants and, you know, put them up in, in five-star hotels in New York City, but we can't house people in the midst of, a, of an emergency they are on their own? It's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking and, and, and upsetting. I mean, I'm, I can say I'm actually, the more we talk about it, I'm getting angry. I mean, like, how dare they not take care of our people? One of the things that I think is also shocking is that didn't FEMA turn them down for yep. support? That's shocking. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, FEMA that, that refuses to agree to a state of emergency. I, is it because it's 70% Republican? I just I start asking questions. If this happened in, in a you know blue city, there'd be a different response altogether. The the idea that they are like, oh, we're not going to provide anything to these people because you know they're, they're agricultural and rural, so they won't listen to us anyway. It, it doesn't matter. 
we have a job to do, and we need to offer them f safe water. We need to offer them safe accommodations until we know what's going on. And they've got nothing. They're not getting answers. They're getting conflicting, contradicting advice from their politicians and other officials. You know, one day, and I listened to Governor DeWine in Ohio, you know, I wouldn't drink that water. And then, an, oh, it's safe. Go ahead. Drink your water. Send your kids back to school. Are you kidding me? Zoom was such a big deal for COVID. Zoom in. At least the kids are at home and maybe further away than some of these school buildings are. Who's testing the, the HVAC in the schools to make sure it's safe inside? We don't know. I, I, it's, it's stunning. So let's go on. I want to ask you something about the Pennsylvania legislature. I mean, you ran for governor. I'm sorry you lost. I think it would be a different outcome right now for a oh, lot of be. folks. And uh, But that being said... You're serving still in the 33rd district, correct? Yep. So with your perspective, and you're a leader in the legislature, what are your fellow legislators saying about this? How, both on both sides of the aisle, how are they feeling about this? Are they as tweaked about it as you are? I mean... You know, some are as fired up as me and others not as much if because you know, they live on the other side of the state or something. I'm not, you know, hearing much from, you know, the Philadelphia contingent. I'm, I don't know. And, you know, and to me, Jen, it really doesn't matter. I'm the chair of a, a committee that has oversight. I, I have subpoena powers. And so, my goodness, we're going to do this. I, I'm the chair of Veterans Affairs and Emergency Services. Emergency Services, there you go. Uh, there you go. Yeah, my colleague uh, that, that runs the Transportation Committee today, he told me he's holding his own hearing on the 27th. Uh, the, our Health Committee be holding their own hearing, and then Ag Committee. So you see how this is a multifaceted approach. So mine will be the first of many uh, hearings. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be very emotional. I'd expect it to be, the, the, and uh, I, I absolutely must need to and want to hear from the people. And we have many people line up to speak. Uh, when is the hearing, Doug? Get, uh, the give hearing. everybody the information. Thank you. So it's... Uh, next week so thursday of next week uh, at a 10 a.m in the beaver county community college that they have an auditorium that can seat a couple hundred folks and it's probably about oh i'm guessing 30 miles away from uh, east palestine so it is in the affected area but you know not ground zero um but we hope people come out uh, we're going to have of course our emergency service director it's pima pennsylvania emergency management uh, he, uh, he's going to be there. Uh, we're going to have someone from the Department of Environmental Protection. And look, I don't do got you. I don't box people in like we see. You know, the great Ted Cruz is great. He's an attorney. He kind of boxes people in surprise, you know, and he's like, whoa, I didn't expect that question. Uh, no, I, I'm a soldier. I just want answers. I want results. I, if mistakes were made, let's identify them, fix it, and move on. But right now we have immediate need. So I want to find out what happened, what went right, what went wrong, and what can we do to help people now. Are you seeing any support coming across from Maryland or other surrounding states? I think this is a time for the entire region to come together and help one another. What are you seeing in that regard? Well, since it's basically being ignored by the media generally, um, and since it's really being, you know, I guess neutralized by politicians, you know, various governors are trying to avoid a, a extensive conversation, but there's no call for help. And so I, I actually have one of my... Uh, one of my people calling out to Western PA to see what churches and what, what organizations are collecting relief for, for folks and help and water and what have you for folks, because we don't even know. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Jen Charlton Show. I have with me today Senator Doug Mastriano, former candidate for Pennsylvania governor and representing the 33rd district in Pennsylvania. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Jen Charlton Show. I have with me today Senator Doug Mastriano from the great state of Pennsylvania. And Doug, I want to cover a couple more things. And the, the big concern, we thought it was vinyl chloride, which is deadly. It causes cancer and all sorts of things to your organs. But there are many, many other chemicals involved. How concerned are you about the livestock in the agricultural community? Because this is now going to impact businesses, livelihoods, employees, employers. What do you see in terms of the business impact on this? I think it's going to be catastrophic. Um, so there's a gentleman near East Palestine in Ohio that has a fox farm. We, we see these are popular. You know, there's a colony of foxes here and there. And um, almost all his foxes now are, are very, very ill. And so uh, oh. you know, people's pets are dying. One guy early on let his dog out to go to the bathroom. Dog never came back. Out there dead. I mean, this is the, um, are the eggs safe for your chickens? They're eating stuff off the ground. Those molecules are dropping to the ground. Uh, are your uh, cows safe? Is your milk safe? Uh, these are questions that we're going to need answered. They haven't been answered yet. And so hopefully on Thursday, uh, the folks test. And I think we're inviting also Secretary Redding, uh, our Secretary of Agriculture. I, I, we need the answers. These, ans these, these things are the things that should be being talked about. We're almost three weeks into this, and we still don't have answers. So are people ingesting things that are contaminated? We don't know. That being said, what are we doing to figure out the mitigation efforts? How do we clean the water, clear the land, protect the animals? What can we do? What do you recommend to people who are listening who may be, you know, worried about them? What do I do? How do I clean my water? Let's start there. Well, I mean, first off, it's a little expensive, but we, in my house, we have a house filter. It takes the, the chlorine out of the water. So, you know, I, I have concerns about ingesting. I've ingested so much chlorine all my life, as most Americans have, but in the Army, excessive levels. So uh, you can buy an expensive filter. It's going to cost you a couple thousand dollars. So that's not realistic for most people. Uh, you can go uh, online and go to, you know, WaterWise, waterwise.com, or go on Amazon, WaterWise, and uh, they, they have... Um, Divide. They have not only filters, which are okay, but I don't know if you can get these toxins completely out. I think they do. But they, they have a machine that, that actually distills the water for you. So it takes everything out, the minerals and everything. And you know, it, it boils, it, it takes a couple hours, and then you have you know, a gallon of, of water that's 100% pure. And that, that's the safest way to do that. So if you can find a similar, that's the brand we use. Um, and, uh, so here's a question. Have we, do you intend to have somebody test it, do this process, see what the difference is, and be able to determine to what extent it's poisonous? So that's the job of our Department of Environmental Protection. And, uh, and I understand... And I'm our, sorry, I, where, who, who are they? Because I haven't heard from them on this subject. Yeah, I, I haven't they, either. Where are they? Uh, we had a brief conversation. Uh, my office had a brief conversation with them uh, two days ago, but they're going to testify. Um, they're the ones that need to do the oil... I'm sorry, the soil, the air, and water sampling, and then let those results be known. In East Palestine, across the border in Ohio, I understand Nor Norfolk Southern is, has hired a firm to do the testing. I think it's a terrible idea. Yeah, why would you trust them? They have no exactly. interest in telling the truth. You could have them pay for it, but let the state or the community hire somebody. I mean, it's a hundred percent. Yeah. That's outrageous. Um, no, I think that Norfolk Southern needs to be held accountable. They have billions of dollars, and I think it's worth mentioning here, and then I want to thank you for your time, but it's, you know, it's really been great to have a few minutes with you. Norfolk Southern is funded 
in the in the multiple billions by two major companies, Vanguard and BlackRock. Now, it is my understanding through Peter Husey, who's an expert in China and all things China, that BlackRock and Vanguard are heavily involved with China because of investments. They're constantly trying to push Chinese investments. So there's been a big movement to disconnect our U.S. investments from Chinese-related companies and related to the CCP. So if, one, they overburdened the railway system with 151 cars in the East Palestine situation, the employees have complained that they were too many cars in that train and they're carrying these hazardous, deadly materials. And, oh, by the way, the company told them to light it on fire, is my understanding. We're going to try and get that, uh, allegedly. So we're going to try and get that clarified. But then you have Vanguard and BlackRock behind it. It just begs the question, who's looking out for Americans here? Where are their interests? Where do their loyalties lie? I, I don't know what to say to that. I mean, all I do know is uh, there appears to be negligence. Uh, I was sent video of the car, one car on fire before the derailment in Pennsylvania, on the Pennsylvania side of the line. I mean, there's speculation that, that they, when the fire was realized, however it started, that the, the people were told, press on, there's a pullover stop on the other side of East Palestine, and we don't want to stop traffic on the rail network. Are you kidding me? Is, is that Was that the thing that informed the decision to basically pour this stuff into a quarter-mile-long pit that they dug, a straight-line pit to ignite it? I mean, it's because they wanted to keep traffic moving. Are you kidding me? Was there was nothing talked about the costs on people, on people's lives in the future, the possible cancer? I mean, we, there's going to be a lot of answers that we need, and uh, I think it's going to come out. I don't think it'll come out next week in anything, you know, earth-shattering. I, I think it'll be, you know, depressing, eye-opening, disconcerting. But I think down down the road there'll be whistleblowers that come out, and, and we'll find out that it was some tragic, terrible, wrong decisions made that are in the end were very costly to people. Even if you just you just lose your pet, that's that's tragic to a person. Now you're affecting people's. You know, why are kids still going to school? Why aren't they zooming in since we did that for you know two years? And suddenly it's okay to go into you know East Palestine or Darlington and send your kids back. And where's where's the proof saying okay it's safe to go? And here's the test results from this company. It's reputable. The air, water, and, and you know soil are clean. And uh, but we're not seeing that. I want answers. So I want to say one thing just because I have you and I have the opportunity to say this from an audit function. In government, you would never put somebody in charge of their own destiny. If you're going to audit some work or a disaster like this, why on earth would you get put Norfolk Southern in charge of the testing? Yep. That is nothing short of criminal, actually, because you have no way to hold them to account. And we've already seen that cheating happens. So people will do whatever they have to to cover their own necks. So I, I would be calling upon audit and a, and a proper separation so that the truth can be told without influence. And, uh, and, and thank you so much, Doug. Is there anything else you want to say about this? 
I mean, of course, keep the people out in western PA and eastern Ohio in prayer. I mean, it's, it's a big deal, and uh, it's heartbreaking that, that they feel abandoned, and it looks like they have been. They're not getting the answers, the response, the action, and activity, and priority they deserve, and they're not getting you know, any solid answers at this point. So, you know, Dan Cox, who you know well, and I will be going out tonight to the affected areas. We're going to talk with people. We have a bunch of people we're going to uh, speak with. We're going to look at the facility in Beaver County where we're going to hold our hearing next week. And then uh, next week will be the, be the hearing. Just pray the truth comes out and that people are held accountable. Well, and lastly, the federal response has been woefully inadequate. And for Pete Buttigieg to say, well, you know, you have a thousand of these a year, as if to say no big deal, is disgusting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I call upon FEMA to do the right thing for the government to step in and help the citizens yeah. and to mitigate this issue as soon as possible. God bless you and good luck with your hearing. And we look forward to hearing more about this in the future. Thank you so much, Thank Senator you. Mastriano. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Ami Hoover. Welcome back to the Jen Charlton Show. It is wonderful to have everybody here. And I am pleased to bring on a dear friend and somebody I admire very much and supported when she ran for Congress. Unfortunately, she did not win. She would have been a great asset, particularly for times like this in Congress, dealing with what we're what we're faced with. And I called upon Ami Hober to be with us today and give us her insight as an expert in working with chemical and nuclear uh, warfare and so forth. So good morning, Ami, and welcome to the Jen Charlton Show. Good morning. How are you, Jen? It's good to talk to you again. Oh, my gosh. It's so good to be with you, and, and I appreciate your availability to talk about this subject. I wanted to first start with why are you, because you were an undersecretary in the Army during the Reagan administration, but why are you an expert on chemical and nuclear warfare issues? Can you please bring everybody up to speed on your background? Well, it's it's a long story, but I've been involved in chemical warfare defense as well as bio and nuclear defense since the 1960s, actually. That shows my age. But I have cared about the defense of this country all my life and worked on it. Um, I became a particular expert in the chemical uh, defense business, I guess, late late in the 70s, early in the 80s, when there was an attempt to disband the U.S. Army Chemical Corps, and I strongly opposed that because I felt, while people thought it was only a World War I problem, uh, that it still existed as a threat. And it's necessary for the civilian world, just as we're finding out today with this accident. Okay, very uh, good. Let me talk a little sure. about the accident. Um, I have been, I have actually a copy of the list of all of the chemicals that were on the train, and I've begun to look them up in what's called the material safety data sheets that go with each of the chemicals. I haven't, there's a long list, unfortunately, and I haven't been able to look up every single chemical yet. There are some that are easy to address because they will dissipate very rapidly in the air and chemically decompose very rapidly. There are others that if you get a couple of days of hard rain, um, hopefully like the rain we had yesterday here in Maryland, 
if that was in that area, that will reduce the toxicity of some of the chemicals that may well still be on the ground. Um, but it's going to take some time to find out what's there, what's um, evaluated, what the results are. Now, my particular question, which I think is actually pretty important, is why hasn't the chemical uh, reaction force, what is called the CBRF, the Chemical Biological Incident Response Group that is based in Maryland at Edgewood, uh, why has that not been sent to help? I thought that was the purpose and I was one of the people that helped uh, develop that group. Uh, I think there are 12 of them around the country, and I believe that should have been sent to help them. I don't know whether it requires uh, Pennsylvania technically asking for that help, uh, but the CBRF is probably the most experienced group I know of to go out and quickly test the ground, find out what's still there, and find out uh, how long it's likely to last. That would be my single uh, piece of advice is first get those guys out there. They're the real experts. Wow, that is great information. And uh, we'll look further into that and keep people apprised. And everybody, I want you to know that after the show is posted in the podcast, we will provide some of this information, like the hearing that's coming up on Thursday in uh, in Pennsylvania that uh, Senator Mastriano is conducting and and some of this other information. So please look at the podcast. It's not just to review and hear the show, but also to access some of these URLs that will provide additional resources. Okay, so Ami, back to what you're saying. So I have a couple of questions. Some will easily dissipate. Others will take several days. One of the questions people have asked is, yes, the rain may help to bring it down, but... Does that acid rain, does it create an acid rain, and does it then negatively impact agriculture and, and poison our food? Well, that's why we need to look at the material data sheets for each of the chemicals. I believe that most of the chemicals that I have looked up today will not have a long-term effect on agriculture. But I, as I said, I have not had time to look up all of them yet. Well, thank you for doing that research. And I... I I know that that was a result of you and I speaking and having you come on, and I really appreciate you stepping into this and helping us sort it out with your expertise. What about? Let me make another comment. Sure. I, I, I truly think that what we need to learn from this incident, as much as we need to help get you know, the contamination cleaned up and people back safely in their homes, the other thing we need to learn is to really make some significant changes in the uh, stability of our rail beds. The rail beds in this country have been allowed to disintegrate to a matter, you know, to a level that I think is inappropriate and dangerous. As we can see, we, we got another derailment um, just later after this one. And I think we need to think about making the investment that we have to transport things that have some danger. Uh, they're necessary for commerce. They're necessary for manufacturing, all things that we want to strengthen in this country. But we need to strengthen the backbone of the rail beds so that we can actually implement that better. 
Well, and on that note, I want to read something uh, because I've been doing a, a bunch of research. And there's, first of all, I've got conflicting data. One source says 140 cars were on the train. Uh, I don't know what you call it, but the the continuous connected train of 140 versus 151. But one of the employees said they knew, they knew that it was overburdened. In other words, they had too many trains on that system. And they shouldn't have had that many, okay? But I'm going to read something off of the Washington Examiner. You know, look, you, you got to trust your sources. I'm not sure I trust them. I'm just going to share information that they posted. And it says, new footage of the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, showed the train catching fire roughly 20 minutes outside of the town, leaving residents to wonder whether the disaster could have been avoided. So Doug spoke to that, that there was a fire on board. And they didn't know or didn't uh, – maybe they – he says they continued down the track to try and clear an area. Who knows? I mean, uh, and they were worried about traffic. I mean, some of this is just bad decision-making, right? In most accidents, there's some bad decision-making somewhere, unfortunately. But, you know, people are, in fact, human and do make mistakes. I'll point out that if you had a train that was that long and that heavy, it actually takes a long time to stop it. Uh, So I'm not sure when they would have given an order to stop uh, and how long it would take to actually implement it. Interesting. So that this article, again, on Washington Examiner continues that the NTSB, which is the National Transportation Safety Board, obtained two videos of the train derailment on February 3rd. So let's go back to February 3rd. This didn't really hit widespread media till I would say early to mid this past week. So there was this gap in time where Frankly, the public was not properly informed. And I call upon media to do their job because I don't care what your political viewpoints are. You have an obligation to the public that's inferred and explicit that you report these incidences. And you can't worry about who it harms politically. You have to report the information to the people because an uninformed public is more at risk than an informed public. People need to be able to make decisions. So, and it showed sparks underneath the 140 train cars. So there's the discrepancy near the town of Salem, Ohio. So if the crew on the train had proper warning, they would only need one mile to break. But to your point, one mile is a fairly long distance to have to stop a train if, if they're, either their uh, path is impeded or something immediately needs to be reacted to. So one mile, right? And that's a fairly long time if you have a fire somewhere. With chemical agents on board, right. Then one last thing I want to mention, they say the, the Ohio train derailment, officials say water is safe to drink after tests. So why on earth would they think at this point, we know that the chemicals are in the river systems, and the river systems reach the water tables. Why on earth would they think that this is safe to drink? Well, I mean, I don't know what testing they've done and what the results were. I mean, if I were there personally, I would drink, be drinking bottled water. But that's, that's me personally. I tend to be 
overly cautious upon occasion, but when it's my body, you know, I get to choose that. Let me just make one more comment about possible mechanical failures. So you mentioned the rail beds are an issue. We know there was a fire on board. And then they say we have obtained two videos which show preliminary indications of mechanical issues on one of the rail car axles. Yeah, that's the rumor that there was a bearing that overheated and disintegrated. I I, I have no basis for either agreeing or disagreeing with that. So, but what happened? Yeah, and when you have a, a disaster of this proportion, you know, there's probably more than one thing that goes sure. wrong, Contribu- right? Contributing factor. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So. At this point, what we know, and I, my heart really goes out to the mayor who's, he's, you know, he's reported saying, I am basically way in over my head. Um, you know, I want to be a leader, but, I, you know, I, I don't really know what to do. I mean, he, he, God bless him. He, he's being handed something that no one signs up for, right? right? And, you know, how do you think, Ami, we could help the people in the affected areas? It's not just eastern Ohio but it's also Western Pennsylvania. And by the way, they think that some of this has traveled through the wind system to Virginia. We Frederick had some effects. So what do you think we have to do next to help people and restore us to safety? Well, the first thing we need to do is to give the actual people who are in the affected area all the support we can. Make sure they have a reasonable place to evacuate to uh, until they get better results and know when they can go back home safely. Um, that's give them all the support they need, um, you know, housing support, food and water support, uh, financial restitution, um, that sort of thing. That's the first thing. But the second thing is really to ensure that the proper people are in there uh, doing the tests and reporting the results. Um, that's why if I were in charge, I'd call in the CBRF people, because those are those are federal, those are military, um, they're independent from the local political scene uh, either way. Uh, they're totally independent, and I believe they can be trusted to accurately test and report. Yeah, they were going to try and put it in the hands of Norfolk Southern. I mean, that's nothing short of insane, in my opinion, because... Norfolk Southern has no interest in telling the truth because they're in big trouble. Well, having dealt with uh, rail companies when I was campaigning and trying to deal with some problems out in Cumberland um, that were created by the rail companies, I I agree it would be better to have somebody more independent um, taking a look at that. And that's where I'd turn to the federal government resources. Can you spell the initials again of CBRF? Yes. It's C for chemical, B for biological, and I for incident, C-B-I-R, and it's, I believe that's reaction, uh, F for force, C-B-I-R-F. Okay, excellent. Well, we'll, we'll uh, keep up and look after that and see see what kind of response they do one thing my my suggestion to you is it would be interesting if you could interview uh the commander of the seaburf in maryland and see if they've been called in and if so if they have any results to report yet 
Well, and I appreciate any connection you can make me over there. So let's talk about that off air. That's perfect. I would love to do that. The last thing is we did hear that they're giving, wait for it, Southern Norfolk is giving $1 million. $1 million. That's laughable. And this is a multi-billion dollar company. Yes, no, no, I agree. I agree. On the other hand, you do have to understand that a large company probably takes a little while to get its act together. And I suspect that was essentially a petty cash response. And hopefully we can get something more reasonable from them. Well, I certainly appreciate your time, Ami, and I thank you so much for your service to our country and your and your expertise. You continue to do consulting work with military, I believe, correct? Yes, yes. 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 Well, thank you for that work that you do and, and your expertise and making yourself available this morning. Is there anything else you'd like to say about everything that we're dealing with and... Uh, Well, know that my heart is with you all, and, you know, I'm available to help in any way I can. Oh, well, God bless you. Well, thank you, Ami. Have a great day. We will be back in touch soon, and uh, hope to have you back on to refer back to progress being made over this bad issue. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody. Well, you've been listening to the issues around the Ohio incident, and uh, I want to also mention that outside of Detroit, on Lake Huron River Road, I believe it is, there was another train derailment of seven cars, one of which had chemicals on board. I don't know how long the train was, but seven derailed. One of the seven derailed cars had chemicals on board. They're saying there was no leak, but their proximity to Lake Huron is very concerning. That's the water supply for Detroit. So I think we have to really ask ourselves, where is our attention? Is our attention at the federal level on we the people, the Americans, making sure that we have what we need and that our safety and prosperity is protected and respected? Or is it going to be more important to do things like they're doing down at the border, taking care of others rather than taking care of our own people. The federal response has been, it's, it has been ridiculous. The fact that FEMA is not involved, the fact that the governor did not do a state of emergency, the fact that they are not throwing all things to help these people screams of a political response with no care for the environment, the people, or their prosperity. That includes agricultural systems and the economics around that. So people have some splaining to do, and we're going to call upon them throughout this next week or two to look to see what kind of response they're going to do to help these poor people. And maybe there's a way that we here in Maryland can step up and help the people in Pennsylvania and Ohio. Our hearts and prayers are with them. Listen, everybody, listen on our podcast and share this podcast to friends and family and colleagues so that the information can get out there because we're covering information that may not be available in your mainstream media. Okay? So go to WFMD.com and listen to our podcast and share it. And rate us. Give us a five-star. Have a great week.